God will show us his kingdom if we have the mind of Christ. And I want us to be able to lift up our eyes today and see how big the kingdom of God is. Because it's so big. (laughs) It's so much bigger than our individual lives. It's so much bigger than the things that we are facing. But God will show this to you through his spirit if you listen through your spirit. If you have the mind of Christ. And so... The, uh, the challenge <laughs> on me today is I want to take something that we've heard about many times and read about many times, and we have verses and, and Pinterest sayings and things and quotes stuck up in our head about the kingdom of God, and I want to dig deeper into the reality of the kingdom of God today. And so if we hear with spiritual ears, and if we have the mind of Christ, I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me real quick. I want to read a couple verses out of here. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Jump down to verse 15. It says, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understanding, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> I thank you, God, for the reality of your kingdom. I thank you for what your word says. And right now, God, I pray that you would empower us by your, your spirit to be able to receive, to be able to understand. Lord, let us be, like Jesus said, those who have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Give us eyes that can see and help us to just have an ability to, to, to receive revelation today. So God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be good soil, that the seed of your word would go into and bear fruit today. Lord, we just line ourselves up with you right now, and we're ready to listen, we're ready to hear, we're ready to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to single out this thing that we call the kingdom of God and dig into this (laughs) because I think there's something that's just absolutely game-changing in this idea. And I think really there are, if you think about it, there are a lot of different things, especially for those of us who kind of grew up in the church and, and grew up in Christian culture, that maybe the impact and the gravity of what it means is, has kind of been lost on us because of familiarity. But how many of you guys know that not all Christian culture is kingdom culture. Not even all church culture is kingdom culture. And so we have to be able to divide what is just religious things that we've picked up here and there through reading this thing or hearing this podcast or whatever and what the Word of God really says and, and 
really, we need to be able to take what the Word of God says and receive the impact of it. I don't know any other way to say it, but there are things that Jesus said, things that are in the, in the Word of God that are so powerful that I think sometimes we just go right on by. And so we're going to look at some of those things today. But the heart of Jesus' message was that the kingdom of God would be established on the earth. And this theme is all throughout the four gospels. And as we look at this and uncover this, I think a lot of you are going to be surprised at how uh, pervasive this theme really is. You know, Jesus was here for three years ministering in his ministry. Such a tiny sliver of time in all of human history. And, and in those three years, this is what he chose to talk about. So there's this historian, Michael Grant, and I want to show you the quote of what he said. He said, every thought and saying of Jesus was directed and subordinated to one single thing, the realization of the kingdom of God upon the earth. And this one phrase, kingdom of God, sums up his whole ministry and his whole life's work. It's just what Jesus talked about. Of all the things, and he, of course he talked about a lot of different things, but they were all under this basic umbrella. And it was that important to him. The, altogether, the Gospels mention the kingdom of God directly 86 times. And then indirectly many more times than that. And so what I want to do is go through all 86... No. <laughs> I kind of started off like that earlier in the week, and I've whittled it down to much smaller <laughs> than... That, But I do have a few I want to read. Luke 8.1 says, Soon afterwards he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Matthew 10.7 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then also think about the parables, right? Jesus taught in parables. A lot of what Jesus was saying, you have to kind of mentally go back there and imagine being in that place and in that time, in that culture as much as you can. Because a lot of what Jesus was saying was so revolutionary that he needed to be able to communicate it in stories and illustrations and parables, right? And the parables were about what? The kingdom of God. Just start reading through them. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. This is like the kingdom of God. The parable of the sower, the parable of the talents, uh, the parable of the hidden treasure, the mustard seed, the dragnet, the wedding feast. All of these are talking about the kingdom of God. So if he chose to spend his time talking about the kingdom of God, teaching about the kingdom of God, and his disciples are writing it down in their gospels. And also, don't forget that after he was crucified and rose from the dead, he, he was here on the earth for about 40 days teaching people about what? The kingdom of God. So it's 
critically important. And Jesus came to bring the culture, the power, and the reality of his kingdom to this world. That was his purpose. That's why he came. So we have to figure out how does that apply to us? How do we fit into that? If we were to change in order to fit into that, in order to make that a reality in our life, to receive it, how would that change our life? Because it's the central theme of Jesus' teaching. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that many people who follow Jesus or maybe claim to follow Jesus don't understand the central theme of Jesus' teaching. And I know that it's nobody in here today, but maybe just so we can know when we talk to other people, right? But no, I'm talking to myself too. This is an unfolding, deepening revelation and understanding that God's doing in my heart too. And I want to know um, how how to bring the message and the reality of the kingdom into my life, into our lives. So there's a couple things that we have to be able to do. Number one, the kingdom of God has to be seen or perceived. In other words... This thing we're talking about right now, and it's such a big thing, it's hard to bring it down into some concept that we can just discuss, but you have to be aware of it. You, You have to be aware of it, because I believe that it's possible to live your Christian life, to pray a prayer, and go to church, and listen to Caleb, and do all the stuff, and not be aware of what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God. Um, Look at John chapter 3. This is when Nicodemus comes to Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So it can only be seen by those who are born again. Now, right here is something that I think is interesting and a little bit mysterious because I could go out right now and sit down at a coffee shop with an atheist and we could talk about the kingdom of God, right? I mean, he doesn't have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God for us to have a discussion about the kingdom of God. But Jesus said that unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So there is something to this idea of being able to see it, being able to to be aware of the kingdom of God. So... um, Let's start off by just simply looking at what is a kingdom? What is any kingdom, uh, any king? If you take the word and you break it down, kingdom, it's a king's dominion. In other words, it's a place, it's a territory, it's a land where a certain king has dominance. 
where a certain king has dominion. That's what a kingdom is. And so you could maybe say, well, Jesus is Lord of all the earth. And so I guess the whole earth is the kingdom of God, right? Because if, if a kingdom is where a king has dominion and Jesus is Lord of all the earth, then I guess the earth is, is his kingdom. And I guess that's kind of sound logic, except for Psalms 115 says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And how many of you guys know that not all the children of men are following Jesus? And so we live in a world that ha- that where sickness is present, where sin is present, where poverty is present. But these things don't exist in the kingdom of God. So there's a conflict here. There's a collision of two worlds. We have the kingdom of God where none of these things exist, and we have the earth where these things do exist. And that's why Jesus commanded us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we do is we pray and we speak and we declare your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we bring the reality of God's kingdom into this world. I want to read you um, just a very small little excerpt uh, out of the book, Supernatural Power of the Transformed Mind. Listen to what this says. It says, we are out to destroy the works of the devil. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said clearly and concisely, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is simply this, on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't it refreshing? When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're praying for the king's dominion and will to be realized right here, right now. That is a life-transforming, paradigm-shifting way to do normal Christianity. What is free to operate in heaven, joy, peace, wisdom, health, and wholeness, and all other good promises we read about in the Bible, should be free to operate here on this planet, in your home, your church, your business, your school. What is not free to operate there, sickness, disease, spiritual bondage, and sin, should not be free to operate here, period. So the concept we're talking about here, if you think about it, is really a little bit like colonization. And you guys probably hopefully remember studying the colonies and colonization in school, right? So think about places like the Bahamas. In the Bahamas, they speak English because the Bahamas were a colony of Great Britain. But then next door in Cuba, they speak mainly Spanish. They were a colony of Spain. And then nearby in Haiti, many people speak French. Haiti was a colony of France. And that's because the goal of colonization, listen to this, the goal of colonization is to make the colonized territory just like the country that's doing the colonizing. So to, so to colonize means to extend your influence. To extend your influence. You want to influence a territory to become like you. Do you see where I'm going with this? Are you on board? Are you with me? We move on. God wanted from the beginning to colonize the earth with heaven. That's been his plan 
from the beginning. So our perspective has to be from heaven to earth, not the other way around. So we have to be able to see the kingdom, to perceive the kingdom. We have to be aware of this thing that Jesus was talking about called the kingdom of God. And not just relegate it to some abstract, fuzzy concept, or maybe that just means heaven, or maybe... No, we have to understand what did Jesus spend most of his time talking about that he considered to be so important. We have to see that. But then we also need to be able to not just see it, not just be aware of it, we have to be able to demonstrate it. Because our, our goal, our assignment, is not to just understand it, but to reveal it to the world. Because again, we're talking about this concept of colonizing, influencing the world. So it's our divine assignment to bring the reality of God's world into this one. Okay. Now, Put your seatbelts on. I don't know that these chairs have seatbelts, but if you find a seatbelt, go ahead and put it on right now. Because I want to read something to you that Jesus said. And every time I read this, it it's it's shocking to me. It's such a huge statement. And my concern the whole time that I've been preparing this message is this is such a big thing that for some people it's just going to go right on over and past. And I think, like I said earlier, I think there are several things, many things maybe, in the Bible in the, you know, that Jesus said, that Paul said, that are so earth-shattering that they just don't impact and penetrate the way they should, and we just move on. I don't want that to happen. I want you to get this. So, Jesus makes a statement so bold and extreme, and it's a game changer. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up a little bit and give you a little bit of foundation. And this is out of Matthew 11. So, this is where um, John the Baptist sends his disciples to check out what Jesus is doing. And Jesus responds to them. And then he starts talking about John the Baptist. So that's kind of the background. Let's look at it. Matthew 11, starting in verse 1. He says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who who will prepare a way before you. Now listen to what Jesus says. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, now that's a broad category, right? That, that basically covers everybody in all of human history with the exception of Adam and Eve. Among those born of women, 
there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. What did Jesus just do? Jesus just made the bold statement that John the Baptist is the greatest human being that has ever lived. Like I said, the possible exception of Adam and Eve, but we understand what he was saying. Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater, that's Moses, Abraham, Elijah, David, Solomon. You go through the list of the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, here's John the Baptist, right? And then he makes a staggering statement. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let that sink in. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now we have people in this room here today that are in the kingdom of heaven, according to what the Bible teaches, what Jesus teaches. And according to what Jesus said, these people are greater than the greatest human being that has ever lived in history. That's big. It's too big. It's like, how do we compress that down and get that up here and really process it and understand it so that it changes us and impacts us, right? But we can and we have to. So, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. How can this be? How can this be possible? It doesn't seem possible. Well, let me give you a hint. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. John the Baptist could not say that. Abraham could not say that. Moses could not say that. David could not say that. Because if John the Baptist is is the greatest human being that's ever lived, there is still one greater than John the Baptist, and that's Jesus. But yet we have Jesus in us. Do you understand the implication of that? Do you see the weightiness of that? I really pray that that sinks in and changes. When we understand our identity, it's so important. It's so critical to be able to function in the kingdom of God, in the purposes of God in this world, it's so important to understand who we are, who Jesus has made us to be, what, who, what the Word of God says about us. We need to believe that, and we need to act in that reality and in that truth. Now listen to the next verse, and then we're going to move on. Um, and I want to read this, verse 12, from the Passion Translation because I believe it's an accurate interpretation of this verse. Verse 12 says, From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. So there is something incredible waiting for those willing to take hold of it. And the qualification is not that you have to be a preacher or a pastor or a missionary or an author or a blogger or whatever. You have to be born again.
to see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus commanded his followers. Do we have any followers of Jesus in here today? Jesus commanded his followers to go out into the world and do certain things. Matthew 10, 7 through 8 says this. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Okay. Now notice, he didn't say, pray for the sick. He didn't say, pray for the lepers. He didn't say, do your best to cast out demons. It's an intimidating command because we can't do it. But the scary thing is, is the rest of the Christian life we think we can do. But the reality is, is that God has called us into a life that is beyond our ability to live. But it's, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so what, what in reality is happening is God has called us into a place of total dependency on him. Total trust in him. You cannot possibly do the things that Jesus commands you to do on your own strength and your own power. You can't do it. It's beyond you. You are not able to do it. But you can through him, through his power. What is impossible in the natural is possible in the kingdom of God. So, when I was about 14, I got my first car. And it was a 1965 Buick Special. Yeah, it was awesome. My dad bought it for me, and I think he paid 300 bucks for it. <clears throat> and so, I was under the legal driving age, and so that car sat in our backyard. And I would go and look at the car, walk around it, sit in the back seat, sit in the front seat, sit behind the wheel. Sometimes I'd turn on the radio. Sometimes I'd start it up. Sometimes I'd drive it around the backyard. But I did not understand the power of that car until I got my license and eventually got out driving the car on the roads. Now, when I say the power of the car, I'm not talking about the engine or anything like that. I'm talking about the power of the car was the freedom that I had to be able to go anywhere I wanted, anytime I wanted, within reason for a teenager. But I didn't understand that freedom until I experienced it. Let me say that one more time. I didn't understand that freedom until I experienced it. And I get concerned that sometimes we treat the kingdom of God like that old car. I mean, we talk about it. We sing about it. We read about it. 
We listen to podcasts. But we don't ever get in and start it up and experience it. So here's the last scripture, I think. Yeah. And this is the one I want you to really remember. 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. In power. Say that with me. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Okay. I have one last illustration. So I have my green corduroy jacket right here. And I am so looking forward to the day when I will need to wear my green corduroy jacket again. And the heat is gone. Those of you who don't like snowy days and, and cold nights, I am not on your team. I'm sorry. I apologize. I still love you, but I don't get it. But so this is my green corduroy jacket, and this is going to be my parable. The kingdom of God is like my green corduroy jacket. Okay? Now, I see it. There it is. I can talk about it. We can talk about it together. We can go out and have coffee and talk about my green corduroy jacket. If one of you wants to write a book about my jacket, I can read about it. If one of you wants to create a podcast about my green corduroy jacket, I can listen to it, right? You know, I could even write a song about my jacket and we could all sing it, right? I don't think I'll do it right now. But you all know where I'm going with this. Until I decide to put it on and actually wear it, then I can't experience the green corduroy jacket. So until I've got this on and I'm wearing it, then I don't experience its warmth, its protection, its style. Now, while I'm wearing it, I can still talk about it. I can still read about it and sing about it. That would be a little weird, but I could do it while I'm wearing it. But here's where there's a big difference. I can't talk about it to someone else um, without wearing it um, and have an, have an experience that I communicate. Let me say that a different way. If I'm wanting to describe this jacket to someone, it makes a big difference that I've experienced it rather than that I've just read about it or that I've just sung a song about it or listened to a podcast about it. And our purpose... Our assignment on this earth is to reveal the kingdom of God. 
But we can't do that if all we have is academic knowledge of the kingdom of God. If we're just regurgitating teachings and scriptures and things like that, we have to experience it. We have to demonstrate it. We have to reveal it. We have to show the world the reality of the kingdom of God if we want to bring heaven to earth. And so what I pray today is that this becomes much more than a teaching to you. Any revelation from Scripture that doesn't take you directly to the person of Jesus or to an encounter with the Holy Spirit only makes you more religious. And it may equip you to win an argument, but it's not going to equip you to win a heart. And we have to have the experience. We have to have the demonstration. It has to be more than just knowledge. So it's, good, it's not good enough to just have concept and theory. You have to have the experience. So if you want to do this, if you want to experience the kingdom of God in a more real way, and let's go ahead and have the band come back up. I have two options for you right here. And there, of course, there are more than two options, but I'm going to present two options to you. The first one is really simple. You remember when Chris was up here doing announcements and he talked about the healing ministry training class? Sign up for that and come tomorrow night. You'll see the kingdom of God demonstrated. You'll see it taught, you'll see it talked about, and then you'll see it demonstrated. And then over the course of five weeks, you will learn how to demonstrate it yourself. This is what happened last time. That's what's going to happen this time. If you're interested in going deeper into being able to experience the kingdom of God, sign up for this class. Terry Wells, the guy that's teaching the class, um, emailed me yesterday and, and heard the Lord speak something to him, and he asked me to share this with you. So here's what he heard God say. If you are struggling with depression, anger, suicide, abortion, a troubled marriage, troubled relationships, or just discouragement, and you want Jesus to set you free, then he is asking you to step out of your comfort zone and do whatever it takes to show up Monday at 6.30. I believe that. I believe that's from God. So if that's something you're interested in, that's something you can do. And then I have a second thing. Let's go ahead and all stand up right now. And I want to ask our prayer ministry team to come forward, please. And just line up up here. And here's what we're going to do. It's real simple. The band's going to do a song. And as the band does this song, if you have a desire to step in to the reality of the kingdom of God, to be able to see it, to be able to enter it, to be able to reveal it and demonstrate it to the world, and you just want to take a step, an action step in that direction, come up here as we do this song, and these people will pray with you and agree with you. And let me say this too, if you have any other reason that you want prayer, if you want healing in your body, if you want restoration of relationships, whatever it is, depression, anxiety, whatever, come up and we would love to pray with you. So we're going to do this song and I invite you guys all to come.